Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And speaking of embracing life, a few things can give us greater pleasure than a spirited walk down memory lane. And for the first TV generation, the memories of those early shows and the stars who created them hold a special place in our hearts. And that's where today's guest comes in. Mary Owen is the real-life daughter of one of our all-time favorite TV moms, Donna Reed. And, of course, Donna initially made her name as a film star, notably in those wonderful, uh, It's a Wonderful Life and From Here to Eternity. But Donna's life and legacy went far beyond her roles as an actress, and Mary's joining us today to share all about the lesser-known but truly remarkable aspects of the life of her mom, Donna Reed. So welcome, Mary. Wow, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello. Well, I, I want to start out by saying, uh, first off, I've been really anxious to get you on the show. Secondly, I am a major fan of your mom. And thirdly, mm-hmm. I bet every single person listening to the show is too. Uh, so thank <laughs> you so much for taking the time to share more about her life beyond her TV and movie roles. Yeah, my pleasure. And also, I just, you know, wanted to acknowledge uh, before we get started, just, you know, the world is in such a calamitous state right now. And I just wanted to acknowledge all the pain that, you know, we're all going through around the globe, actually, and how interconnected we are. And, you know, I just didn't want to gloss over that talking about the past and just acknowledge, you know, what we're all going through in our own way. I'm so glad you did that, Mary. I really, because uh, I kind of like to go into denial and, you know, (laughs) try to think about other things. But you're right. This is a really critical time in the history of the planet, let alone in our personal history. So thank you for bringing that up. That's uh, important. Uh, And also, I think that ties into your mom's personal legacy as well, because she was an activist. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, But before we get into that, I do want to start out by, again, going back into the past and being a little bit more surface here. But Paul Peterson, who, of course, played Jeff Stone on the book, recently came out with a thoroughly delightful book about the show, and it's called The Donna Reed Show, A Pictorial Memoir, and you played a part in creating the book. So let's begin by you telling us a little bit about what our listeners might find if they check that book out. Yeah, well, the book is, you know, is fabulous. It's it's uh, got a lot of great images from behind the scenes. And, of course, Paul remembers everything like it was yesterday. And, um, you know, you, yeah. and, you, you know, you could almost say that the show really centers around his relationship with my mother. Um, and, in fact, it's funny uh, when uh, I think about um, – I heard that uh, in the early days, because the show, um, you know, was syndicated in a lot of places around the world – the British uh, did not want to show the Donna Reed show because they thought Paul was too feisty and, and out of control. Oh, so <laughs> I know it's not funny. That always makes me laugh. Yes. But yes. This is mo- He's written a lot of great um, essays about his memories on the show and great behind the scenes uh, stories. You know, Buster Keaton was in season one. I don't know why, but they only did one uh, Christmas episode and that was in season one and Buster Keaton is Santa Claus. And, you know, by the time uh, Screen Gems is on the Columbia set, uh, everyone else around knew he was there. There were about 400 people who had just come to watch Buster, 
yeah, and the set was just quiet. You could hear a pin drop. Um, and so there's just a lot of good stories like that that, you know, you wouldn't know about. And, and of course, the, the show is still available to stream in various ways. And so it's a nice accompaniment to uh, your memories and also just, you know, if you, you're not familiar with it either. Well, and the other thing I have to say is Paul's writing style is so intimate and fun. It's just like, you know, for a, a fan, a longtime fan, I felt like I was part of it. Uh, but I do want our listeners to know as well that your dad, Tony Owen, was a producer for the show. And one of the things, uh, I, I, Eddie Foy III, who was the casting director, was a big fan of your dad's. And I, I'm yeah. just going to read for a quote from him. He said that your father had instinctive good taste and was truly unmatchable with his talent and dignity. So you mm. you inherited a lot of good genes there, Mary. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you know, it's interesting because after Mom won the Oscar in From Here to Eternity in 1954, you know, the studios really didn't know what to do with her. So she was in a couple of good movies after that. Um, Ransom, of course, the original Ransom, and um, Scandal Sheet, which is hard to find, but that's a good little film noir piece with um, Roderick Crawford. But basically, she was relegated to B westerns. Can you imagine? And she didn't like no. <laughs> right? She was so frustrated. So after the last western, you know, they she and my dad decided, and he um, he was producing at Columbia. He started off as a um, talent agent, and that's how they met. <clears throat> and um, he was her agent. Uh, so he went into, over to Columbia in production, and they just decided to, you know, try their hand at starting their own production company. So they did Toad On Productions, uh, you know, Tony and Donna, and they made a couple of movies, one actually on location in Africa called Beyond Mombasa, which the critics liked. I, I don't know that it did terribly well in the movie theaters. And then they thought they'd try their hand at television. So, you know, one of the reasons why the show is so good is because, yes, my father was the principal architect, but it was their show. I mean, you know, my mother's name, <laughs> when your name's in the title, you've got a lot of responsibility. So she was always very concerned about the dialogue and the storyline, making it as realistic as possible. And, and even in scenes when it called for either going for laughs or not, she usually chose not going for laughs. So, you know, I think that's what gives it, it's kind of sophisticated, the humor, you know, there's a lot of adult humor in there as well. And just holds up well. I may be prejudiced, but, <laughs> you know. Well, and I just found it on Amazon Prime, so for everybody out there, check it out on Amazon Prime, the first five seasons. Uh, but, uh, yes, I'm beginning to get some of the adult references now. And there weren't a lot of them, and they were very mild, but they were awfully cute. And I do have to say, too, one of the things that I, fondly I remember back in the shows from the 50s and 60s is I think that the stars, especially your mom and your dad, really did care about imparting values to the next generation. Mm -hmm. And, and so there were a lot of life lessons we learned from that show. Yeah, well, thank you. I, you know, and it's interesting too because she was she was different from the other TV moms of that time. And I think you know you can link her directly to Mary Tyler Moore, you know, to Shirley Jones, <clears throat> to other um, movie, you know, TV moms uh, from that time because she really didn't play second fiddle. You know, she was the one who kind of fixed things and it was from her perspective and she was very strong and, um, and there were messages there too. I mean, it wasn't just, 
you know, a simple story that felt good at the end. They they tried to tackle things as, as much as they could. I mean, it was a different time. And also the in those days, you know, the um, sponsors had all kinds of control over the content. Yes, and that's one thing Paul brings out, that it was kind of the Campbell soup. <laughs> they, put a, they ate a lot of soup, <laughs> whatever. <Yeah>. But, <laughs> but, Mary, I just, I, in addition to walking down memory lane, and I could do that for hours, but I really want to impart some of the other memories you have uh, that you would like to share about your mom that most of, or many of us fans might not have known. And you were featured on CBS Sunday Morning uh, talking about the hundreds of letters your mom mom got from soldiers and sailors in World War II. So tell us a little bit about how you found these letters and what that experience meant for you. It was profound. Um, So, you know, my mom passed away in 1986, and in 2003, she, my brothers and I were going through a closet, it's sort of a long story, a a home that she had left to her husband uh, to live in until he died. And so when he passed away in 2003, there was this one locked closet in the garage. Um, we had to break open the lock. And, you know, there were all kinds of things in there. I had no idea. And at the bottom was this old trunk. I mean, I'm thinking this was the trunk that she moved from, you know, Iowa. She grew up, she was a farm girl. And grandma and grandpa couldn't afford to send her to college. So she had an aunt who lived in L.A. So I think this is the trunk that she moved to L.A. And, wow. and in it wow. were all these shoe boxes, uh, full, mostly full of letters from grandma to her. Because, you know, that was the only way people communicated back then was by writing. And, and she was the oldest and she was the first to leave the nest. And so there were a lot, a lot of letters. And by God, in and amongst these family letters were over 300 letters from GIs. And when I first found them, you know, we were just working on, you know, emptying out the um, locker. And I sort of put them aside and started going through them. And then I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I had no idea. And then my life got busy. I was moving to New York from L.A. So it wasn't until like 2008 or seven that I really sat down and went through them all at once. I thought there were only about 100. But I scanned them and read them over a like a week's period of time. I just did went all the way through them and I couldn't believe it. I mean, first of all, you know, I'm 63. I didn't really learn that much about World War II when I was in school. I had no idea that she was part of the pinup culture and how much, I mean, it was so moving, like how much she represented what the guys were fighting for. You know, these, they were writing to someone they really didn't know. And she was a little bit younger than the Betty Grables and the Rita Hayworths because, um, yeah, she was like 21, 22 when she signed up with MGM. So a lot of these guys who enlisted as soon as they could, you know, as soon as they were old enough, really identified with her and, and wanted to come, wanted to live, you know, to come home and marry someone like that and raise a family. So I just, I, I couldn't believe it. It, it. it almost changed my life just because, you know, she never talked about it. And um, I just had no idea what a big role she played in representing what the guys were fighting for. Oh, Mary, I just, I'm kind of getting misty-eyed just listening to you talk about it because uh, 
That had to have been. I mean, yeah. and I'm sure now, you know, you can go back and, and look at those letters, not only from the soldiers, but from your grandma, too. But but yeah. one of the uh, soldiers that they featured on the CBS Sunday morning show was from your mom's hometown or close by. I forget exactly, but Denison, Iowa. And um, he had special memories of your mom, too, because she truly was the girl next door or the embodiment of the girl next door. Yeah, it's true, Glenn. The, you know, and I was friends with another guy who lived further away um, um, in um, Burlington, Iowa. And, uh, yeah, and so a lot of these guys, you know, they weren't married yet or, or whatever. So they – or maybe they didn't have a girlfriend too. So it was it was so meaningful that – and, of course, you know, I do have one letter that um, she wrote back because – because from what I understand, those letters are hard to find from what I understand whenever they moved base camps or wherever they had to, you know, throw away anything that was secondary to just their basic supplies in case they were caught, you know, and revealed. But um, she started a club where the, they got together with other actresses to respond to the guys. And so everyone, you know, I think what makes my mother special is that everyone participated in World War II. I mean, every single American but my mom saved those letters. You know, she didn't just respond to them and, you know, discard them. She saved them, which I think is amazing. Absolutely. And speaking of Denison, Iowa, I want to mention, too, there is the Donna Reed Foundation for the Performing Arts located in that town. I think you may have had a little something to do with it or continue to have something to do with it. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, so when my mother passed away, she bequeathed her um, – Academy Award to her hometown. Yeah. And uh, so we all went out um, that summer to, you know, commemorate that and celebrate. And it was just, we all had, to, you know, there's something very special about Denison. And we, uh, her uh, husband at the time and some local journalists decided to put together a foundation and her archive. I mean, she saved everything from the film career, everything from the television show. And for a long time, we um, were giving away big scholarship money to, uh, we have a, you know, big festival in June and a parade and all kinds of classes for kids. And then a gala performance where we'd award thousands of dollars to uh, a, a lot of different categories. Um, things have kind of slowed down. Well, especially with the pandemic, everything's closed up. But we have a new website. For all of you who are interested, please uh, check us out at DonnaReed.org and uh, look around and, you know, become a member if you'd like. And But we are community-oriented, and also we we still give scholarship money away to kids who want to go on to study in the performing arts. But it's it's an incredible place to visit because, like I said, she saved everything, and so we have different displays, you know, every two or three months based on what's in the archive, and, you know, it's incredible. Oh, Mary, and I can just, I mean, if your mom's looking down on you, she is one happy camper. I'm sure she's oh, very proud you. of all this in her name. Uh, and oh, I could go you. on and on, uh, obviously, talk to you for hours. I don't I don't want to take too much of your time. But before we leave, I really want also people to know that uh, not only was your mom very, uh, part, very much a part of the soldiers' lives, but she was also an activist of for peace during the Vietnam War. She was one of the co-chairs of the advocacy group, Another Mother for Peace. So please tell us a little bit about that part of her life as well. Well, so Barbara Avedon, who cut her teeth on the Donna Reed show, she was hired 
in the beginning as a as a writer, and then she went on to direct some episodes. And then, of course, later she went on to create. She's one of the producers of Cagney and Lacey. But anyway, she and Mom stayed close. And after the show was over, you know, we the Vietnam War was going on, and um, she and and Barbara were, you know, like wow, we have, my brothers uh, are of draft age and, you know, uh, looking into what we were doing over there, she just really felt strongly that, you know, the country, our country had gone down the wrong path. So she, um, uh, the co-chair of Another Mother for Peace, and I would go, they had this warehouse in Beverly Hills, and I would go there, and there were all these women, incredible, like scientists and all these brilliant women like working together writing speeches you know I was like stuffing envelopes for mailings and things like that and you know it's still a good idea I mean they wanted to create a department of peace and a secretary piece at the cab secretary of peace at the cabinet level and it's still a good idea Um, but obviously it didn't go through but then you know they wrote a lot you know were interacted with the senate and wrote a lot of letters to Nixon President Nixon at the time and um and then once the war was over, they started working on anti-nuclear stuff. But she had, I could tell, she was so engaged. She would go to rallies with people. I mean, it was a great time for her. She really blossomed during that time, yeah. Oh, Mary, my gosh. And just so everybody remembers, I would like to just quote that slogan that none of us in my generation, and I know I'm a few years old, well, more than a few, if I want to be honest, years older than you, but this one we all knew War is not healthy for children and other living things. I can see that poster in my mind. What an amazing gift your mom uh, left. So, Mary, these are wonderful memories. Thank you so much for sharing them with us. And before we have to leave, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience about your mom, her legacy, or or, or, or any of the things that you're doing currently? Uh, well, currently, I don't know what are, what are any of us doing currently. I'm so grateful to be on the show, you know, because I, I do a lot of introduction of her films and stuff, but, you know, theaters are all closed down. You know, my mother um, was so uh, bright, you know, she could have been a college professor. And, you know, sometimes I don't know that that comes across on the show, but she just really cared about talking to the American family and she was finally in control of what she was doing after, you know, so many of those Westerns and just kind of, you know, what kind of bra are you wearing today? That kind of thing. So I really see it as a a great victory, you know, for her, her career and just her, you know, sense of, of peace and well-being. Yeah. Well, I, again, I have to thank you. What a delight it is to get a chance to talk with you, of course, about your mom and about you and all the efforts that you have made to ensure that her legacy mm. and the legacy that many of us didn't know about is out yeah. there for us to learn more about. So, again, the Donna Reed Foundation, where can we go on the Internet to find out more about that? Uh, DonnaReed.org. DonnaReed.org. And just because I just recently found this, you, Mary, were instrumental in getting it going. But, again, if you are on Amazon Prime, you can watch the first five seasons. And believe me, back then they did 37, 38 episodes a season. So you will have the joy of revisiting the Donna Reed show for hours. And that's what I'm planning to do later today. It's a memorable stroll down memory lane. So thanks again, Mary. And uh, on that happy note until next time this is mary eileen williams at feisty side of 50 radio saying i'll catch you later bye-bye